0: Downloading a, another episode of the Thundercast. You can find us on Twitter at Thundercast_Pod. underscore pod. Please uh, head on over to YouTube, click the link in the description, and subscribe to the Thundercast YouTube channel. You never want to miss any of the YouTube-exclusive content that we've got rolling out. And, of course, now, I should say, every week... Um, you should be bookmarking thundercast.online because there is a lot of great content that's going on exclusively on that outlet as well. And, of course, uh, if you missed it, I just want to say this. We did put out a How to Dominate Your Marshall Game Day video that's going to be posted over and over again throughout the season. So uh, any out-of-town fans that might be listening to us for the first time, you just found the Thundercast and you're thinking, hey, I'm going to come to a game. I'm coming in for Virginia Tech or I'm coming in for, you know, one of the Sunbelt games or homecoming. I haven't been back in a long time. That's a that's a great guide on easiest way to get tickets, where you can park around town, fan-friendly tailgates, where to get some gear, all the good stuff you need to know. And that's, of course, not just for out-of-town herd fans, but opposing fans coming to town as well russ we had an episode earlier this week we did the recap five things and around the herd segments but it was a little bit of a toss-up right because i was traveling uh it was too early in the week to do a preview so hey why not do two episodes this week and give the folks the dedicated preview they deserve right Mm -hmm. so uh let's get into this east carolina preview uh Just on the other side of this break, but before we do that, let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Our roads are full of uninsured drivers. When they hurt you, your insurance company can become their insurance company. Insurance companies take your money every month, but they fight you when it's their turn to pay. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from uninsured drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carrec.com. Russ the Herd's heading to Greenville, North Carolina for a game with one of the most unique, if not the most unique rival matchups in all of college football. And we'll talk, of course, about a little bit of the story that is behind Marshall and East Carolina and how they will forever be intertwined in the world of college football. But let's focus on the now for a moment. Uh, ECU's home opener is this week. You know, we talked about what the Herd did and more importantly, kind of what they didn't do against Albany. So there's still a lot of question marks out there, I think, for both of these teams. East Carolina setting at 0-1 on the season. Now, that one, of course, was against number two team in the country, the Michigan Wolverines. They went on a road to the big house, and they got uh, – Handled pretty well, at least from a scoreboard standpoint, right? 30 to 3. The Wolverines take care of business over the Pirates, but there are some things that pop out to you in this game that were pretty impressive by East Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. the game, the game, of course, is going down Saturday, September 9th at 4 p.m. Eastern. The game's going to be on ESPNU. So don't think you're going to be able to stream this one on ESPN Plus. This is the 17th all-time meeting against the Herd and from the Herd and the Pirates. Uh, East Carolina holds an 11 to 5 edge over the herd, with the herd never have winning uh, have won a game in Greenville. They're 0 and 7 all time. So Marshall and Coach Huff looking to make a little bit of history here for the folks in Huntington. 2021 was the last meeting, of course. That was Huff's first season. It was a 42 to 38 pseudo shootout in Huntington, <coughs> where we mm-hmm. saw East Carolina make a 14 point fourth quarter comeback to take the lead and ultimately get the win in Huntington. So we were on the Boneyard podcast last night, and I told those guys flat out, we owe you one, and we do, from that game in 2021. ESPN Power Index, Russ, they kind of like East Carolina, but it's a it's about as close of a coin flip type game as you can imagine, because Vegas sees it differently. chance for the Herd to get a win in Greenville. The line on the game is the Herd minus two and a half with an over-under of 44, which puts you right in that 24 to 21-ish scoring range. So before we get your bird's eye view of this game, let's talk about the history. Uh, You can bring, well, we'll bring folks up to speed. Most every Herd fan is going to know the story. Most every East Carolina fan is going to know the story, but there are some young folks that may not. So let's talk about the history and how these teams are intertwined, and then uh, we'll
1: get your bird's-eye view on this game. So November fourteenth, 1970, uh, after leaving the football game at East Carolina, Southern Airways Flight 932 crashed at Huntington Tri-State Airport right before they landed to come back home. All 75 players and fans, coaches, boosters, uh, everyone perished. And um, if you go down to East Carolina, I have never been able to go. This was going to be the year, and I had a conflicting issue to where I couldn't go. Um, They have a a memorial plaque right there. Uh, Obviously, we have everything that we have up here, but if you go down there, you know, it's, it's still something that they hold on to and, and honor our 75 and everything. So there's a mutual respect for that. They didn't have to put that up, but they did.
0: Yeah, you know, that's something that herd fans probably don't really take into account because we carry our side of this story, right? But mm-hmm. East Carolina also carries a side of that story, you know, yep. because they were the last team to line up against that herd squad. And and, and they were, you know um, – popping pads all game long in an undoubtedly a really physical game in this, you know, in the seventies, this is a different era of football. And it's just, it's just something that even I don't often think about in relation to East Carolina, but the, you know, those fans, especially those players that are still around, you know, we, we celebrate our young thundering herd as we should, but there are still players around from that 1970 East Carolina team that have to carry that around. So this creates just a, really unique rival rivalry almost doesn't encapsulate what it is you know but you, there's really no other word that that you can relate to it it's the most cordial type rivalry that there is because it, it's just there's no ill will usually those things are are centered around like hatred and disdain for the other team and that's really not what we have here so it's a really unique thing and another part of the marshall story that you can just hold on to and 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 it creates something special with the the folks in purple but uh, they're going to be out in full force don't think they're not the boneyard guys mentioned it like they love playing marshall their fan base loves playing marshall it's just a game that feels like it should be on the schedule and we alluded to that a little bit with them. I said, well, you guys can just join the Sunbelt if you want to, and we went back and forth with that a little bit, but uh, that's a story from a different time or for a different time. You can listen to the episode of the Boneyard podcast. Um, the link is up. I, I, I retweeted or I, I uh, posted about how to find their YouTube channel, and, and you can listen to that ep- that episode with us. But, Russ, what's your, what's your bird's-eye view of this game, right? Because it's 2023. We've got a game to play Saturday. So what does this one look like to you based on – what the numbers look like coming out of Michigan for East Carolina and what the numbers and, and the gameplay that we saw firsthand look like for the herd going into this one.
1: Well, it couldn't be more polar opposite of playing you Albany at home and going and playing at the big house in Michigan, 109,000 plus uh, offensive line, uh, that defensive unit uh, for Michigan. So it's tough to get a read, right? We played a, a, a lower level than us opponent in our game one. And they played someone that is favored to be in the playoffs, you know, so uh, tough to see, but they did a great job stopping the run of Michigan, uh, containing the run, you know, uh, and they didn't have bad. I don't think 30 to three at Michigan is that bad. I mean, it was an easy victory for them. Uh, don't get me wrong, but it could have been a lot worse comparing the two. I expect a uh, pretty evenly matched squad and so does the predictor and so does Vegas. The line started out where we were uh, one and a half uh, underdogs and it has moved up uh, Last I saw it I think it was we're favored by three so there's been a lot more a uh, lot more bets on us uh, but it should be a very very close game.
0: Yeah, this looks like a lot of strength on strength. A lot of what they're good at, we are also good at in those same categories. Both of us stop the run really well. You know, both of us play just overall solid defense. It looks like there's going to be certain matchups within the game that are going to be difference makers. And what I I think, you know, we'll get into Keys to Victory, of course, uh, later on. But just off the top of my head, it looks like, you know, those strengths are can their defensive secondary go – Man for man with the depth that we have at wide receiver and now tight end. And, oh, by the way, account for Rasheed Ali out of the backfield because that gives you so many receiving uh, targets that you can try to utilize in a game. And, of course, most herd fans from last week that were really vocal are going to go, well, you got to throw the ball down the field to get to these guys. And we know now that that is a misnomer. Folks are misremembering. They saw what they wanted to see to to a certain extent. We do know and have the proof on film that the ball was indeed thrown down the field more often than some folks want to remember. It's easy to get caught up on screen passes and that we do that a lot because we did do that a
1: lot. Yeah, but, and, a, and a little time out if you haven't watched our Albany recap uh, and some of the things that I didn't say on there, but we did exactly what we needed to do to attack that zone. If you saw, uh, you know, we threw one pass long, and it was an ill-advised throw, but they had triple coverage because they were in that zone. They were able to do that. But Mm -hmm. short game, we can pick that apart, and we did exactly what we needed to do. So that doesn't necessarily mean that, hey, this is all we can throw. That was what was needed at that time, and you see how efficient it was for us to go down the field. Yep, and I still
0: contend that this game plan – was set out from the get go, no, it didn't work for an entire half and some of the third mm-hmm. quarter it didn't work. But I still contend that this entire game plan was to limit what the herd was going to show, uh, limit what you were going to put on film to be able to break down and study, and other things. Will we see the same lineup of offensive linemen in the same positions this week versus last week? You know, those mm-hmm. are things that actually matter, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if those are that, that's an like. That's an epic gamesmanship, like, data point if the Herd starts the same five, but they're in different positions. We don't know that they will, but it was just odd that we, you know, it it didn't fall the way that we had speculated it would. So it's just these type of things. Maybe Huff and and the staff is like, hey, we can get away with this with Albany. And did it look pretty? No, no, it didn't. And it didn't work for a long time. But ultimately, the Herd gets the win, and Huff is right. He said in the postgame press conference, half the teams in the country would trade places with Marshall right now. Yeah, and they would. The, yeah. All the teams that started zero and one would gladly trade that for a win. It doesn't matter yeah. how ugly it is; it's still a win. So you,
1: Clemson, definitely would have wanted a win. <laughs> yeah, they're zero and one.
0: So you take the win and you move on. This one's over with. There's no need to Mm -hmm. dwell on it, right? I think we'll see a vastly different herd team offensively this week than we saw last week and moving forward. So let's talk about some of these players to look out for for East Carolina. They actually played two quarterbacks in the game, Russ. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mason Garcia started and played a good chunk of the game. Then right in the middle, they bring in Alex Flynn. And then Mason Garcia finishes the game. Now, this is not a knock on their guys. This is just based on... Really, what our fans were being vocal about. All right. So I want to tie that in for everybody that just cannot let these stats go for Cam Fancher. But we're going to start with these two quarterbacks. Number 10, quarterback Mason Garcia, big guy, six foot five, 249 pounds. He's going to be a load to bring down. A sophomore. He went 11 of 18 last week, Russ, led the team in passing with 80 yards and an interception, 4.4 yards per completion. But Sacked zero times, very impressive. Uh, number fifteen quarterback Alex Flynn, the six foot one, two hundred and thirty three pound junior, he went six for eleven with fifty two yards, just four point seven yards per completion. Now you got to toss back over to Garcia because he was the team's leading rusher in that game. Eight carries led the team, thirty six yards led the team, and four and a half yards per carry led the team. And again, not sacked, so no sack yards. Rush yards came off of his total. That's just what they gained, 36 yards. Uh, running back number 47, Raji Harris, five 5'11", 211-pound junior. Only five carries for 22 yards, 4.4 yards per carry, but he did rip off one run of 16 yards. So for the remaining four carries, he only had, what, six yards uh, in the game. Now we're going to talk about some of the receivers that you might have to look out for. And the first one might surprise you because he's a running back. Number 30 running back Javius Bond, 5'11", 176-pound freshman. He led the team in receptions last week with um, four, wait, uh, four receptions, three receptions. No, I'm sorry. He led the team in yards with 31 yards on three receptions, uh, 10.3 yards per catch. He did have four carries for 16 yards, to so the good four-point uh, zero yards per carry for Mr. Bond. Then the actual true wide receivers. Number one, Jalen Johnson, six foot two, hundred ninety four pounds, senior, three catches, thirty yards, ten yards per catch. And then number eighty two wide receiver Jarrett Garner, six foot three, two oh eight, nice big body. He's a senior also. Led the team with four receptions last week, just twenty two yards though, five point five yards per reception. Here's the data points on this offense. Absolutely zero chunk plays of 20 plus yards. They did have two plays of 19 yards, but zero 20 plus yard plays. No touchdowns scored. Uh, the big one is, of course, this offensive line allowed zero sacks to Michigan, which is mm-hmm. phenomenal if you yeah. ask me. And they were only forced into one turnover, which was an early interception. So they played pretty clean football from a turnover sack standpoint. Um, Russ, offensively, what
1: sticks out to you about these guys? Six foot five, 249 is going to be tough to bring down. I'm not saying our guys can't do that, obviously. Uh, But uh, he is a bigger, bigger quarterback. We just faced a mobile quarterback that was at times running for his life to not get sacked back there with all the QB hurries that we had. Uh, If we get uh, penetration here, we're looking at someone that is probably not as mobile but is going to be a big body that maybe he can shrug off some of the, uh, uh, not direct hits, but you know, someone that's just getting an arm on him or whatever to try to bring him down. Uh, He should be a straight pocket passer. I believe both of them should coming into the game. Mason Garcia had 38 career attempts before putting up 18 in this game. So, this is likely going to be the most attempts that both of these guys, Flynn and Garcia, will put up in a single game. You had 18 and 11 last week. Uh, look for them to have more passing attempts uh, than, than what they had. Uh, so it's going to be a bit of a test, right? They're, they're untested. Uh, they didn't score last week. Hard to get a gauge, like I said, that stifling Michigan defense. Even though they weren't racking up sacks and interceptions and forced fumbles, they held them pretty well. So uh, it's looking like they have a lot to prove on offense more than we have a lot to prove on offense just because we do have people with a history and they have a lot more people that would be getting the majority of their playing time this year.
0: Yeah, to me, what sticks out is uh, you're right six foot five 249 you're gonna have to get a good direct lick this mm-hmm. is not yeah. or, or or a shoestring tripping tackle this is not going to be an arm tackle type of quarterback and and we've got some some strong strong guys on yeah. our defensive line yeah and, and an arm tackle is just probably not going to do it but mm-hmm. you, you say these guys are probably more s- drop back passers well you know Garcia's got the ability to take off one. you had eight carries for 36 yards so We don't know what plays led to that having to happen, but um, I don't know. It it seems like matchup wise, it's hard to say, you know, you don't look at our defense and say, man, you know, they're, they're on par with Michigan, but they could be on par with Michigan, at least from uh, the ability to create pressure and to get Mm -hmm. to that quarterback. We're really, really good at that. I mean, just look at last week. Yes. Albany's line. Isn't going to be East Carolina's line, East Carolina's line, obviously, but You really going to bet against Owen Porter and Burton and Legs and Gibby?
1: We went up up against some really good offensive lines last year, and uh, it it seemed like it didn't matter what offensive line we were going to go up against. We were going to get penetration, and we were going to pressure the quarterback.
0: Right, and just like we talked about – not wanting to put anything on film offensively I'm sure they didn't want to do the same thing defensively so yeah. you didn't see all the all the Blitzes not, not and... necessarily exotic plays but right. they they tried to play base defense sure. you know Huff said it we're going to play base and we're going to make sure we get all the fundamentals right and if you can't play base defense then you know what, it's gonna to be tough to do anything else. But let's talk about this East Carolina defense and some players we're gonna to have to look out for there. I got three guys, right? Number four, defensive back, Julius Woods, six foot one, 194-pound senior. He led the Pirates in tackles last week. Nine total tackles, five of those solo, and that's it. Number 22, linebacker Mike Edwards, the third, six foot two oh six. He's a junior. Eight tackles. He led the team with seven solo tackles, and he led the team uh, tied for first on the team with uh, one pass defended. And then number 28 defensive back, uh, Ravel, six foot two, one 185-pound junior, uh, seven tackles on the day. Look, man, impact plays for this Pirate defense non-existent, can we tell you. Uh, as good of a job as they did against the run, which I'll give you the data point here in a second, Zero interceptions, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, or sacks. Um, Only five tackles for loss on the day in spite of playing great rush defense. They did hold Michigan to just 122 team rushing yards on 31 carries. 3.9 yards per carry for for the Wolverines. And again, no sacks to kind of like hide some of the yardage that was allowed. I mean, they did a great job against this wolverines offensive game plan and it's documented they're a yeah. good tandem of backs they are a really good backfield so to be able to do that you can't just brush that off and say well Rashina ali is going to have a field day Rashina ali could have a field day but you can't sell short this east carolina defensive line and their rush defense it's really good so russ taking into the data points i just account- uh, said there what do you think about this pirates defense
1: I think they've got a really good uh, guy in the secondary, Julius Wood. He put up some really good numbers last year, 87 tackles overall. Uh, 38 of those were solo, had a couple of interceptions, and uh, double that for the uh, pass deflections. Mm -hmm. So um, leading tackler against Michigan as well. So seems like uh, he's going to be a uh, problem for us. Uh, Don't really know how often he does blitzes or if he's a straight coverage guy or uh things like that but he racks up a lot of sa- or a lot of tackles uh from the uh, defensive backfield. Yeah. Uh anybody that is holding Michigan to what was it was it 122 129 122 team rushing 122 yards. 122 team rushing yards and none of those were sacks? None. To, yeah, so they just held them to 122 holding those running backs quarterbacks to 122 yards. It was uh, 3.9 yards for carry or something like that. That's, yep. that's getting it done against a very good team, especially as vaunted as a, 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 offensive line that Michigan is going to have, you know, the, your elites are going to have those offensive lines. They're going to have those defensive lines. And uh, I, that, that's scary to me that they could do that. Yeah. At Michigan.
0: We talk about matchups, right? We talk about mm-hmm. that a lot. And we mm-hmm. and just think about the herd in Albany. At a point in the game, we flipped the switch a little bit and started taking advantage of some of our matchups. And right. that looks like what Michigan was able to do with East Carolina because they mm-hmm. scored relatively easily at times. But throughout the game, East Carolina was able to take away a big facet of the game. Now, 122 rushing yards is is still a good productive day, right? It's able to move the chains for you, pick up some first downs for you, and and keep drives alive. But I'm saying this is not 250, 300 rushing yards piled up on these guys to where, you know, 40-some points, 50 points gets put on the board, and it's really easy. I mean, they don't want to face Rasheen Ali, right? He's really good. We're not downplaying that. I'm just saying if Marshall's able to put up 200 team rushing yards on the on the day, you you should be really happy about that as a herd yeah. fan because this looks like a tall task ahead of the Hurt. And I know we're up for it. I know our offensive line's up for it. And they probably long for matchups like this, especially a guy that, you know, that's going to be snapping the ball, Trent Holler, comes from East Carolina, played a lot of ball for East Carolina. I'm sure he's looking forward to getting this one, you know, going on Saturday and, and going up against guys that he undoubtedly knows. And, you know, maybe he's – Helps spring Ali for a big run, and that's just going to make his day. But look, we got a couple of data points we got to talk about. Place kicker number ninety-five, Andrew Conrad, five foot nine, one hundred and sixty, sophomore. No extra point attempts last week, obviously because they didn't get into the end zone, and only one of two for a long of thirty-three yards. We mentioned the uh, Albany kicker last week uh, in, in our preview, and how his long was only twenty-six yards. He tried something from a little bit longer, and it did not
1: work. So we don't but really he, know. He... He did get one though that was Yes, longer. but I
0: mean yeah. right before yeah. right the first attempt was longer yeah. and And it it sailed, so we don't really know what Mr. Conrad can do, what his actual range is, but just something to take note of. Uh, Kicking in the big house is not the same as kicking at home at Dowdy Ficklin, so he's going to undoubtedly be a little bit more comfortable. It's just something to keep an eye on. Well, last Um, year
1: he split time, and it was almost evenly. He had 26 out of 26 extra points, and the other guy that he split time with was 20 out of 25 in extra points. Um, don't know if that's a situation I'd have to go back and look game by game if he took over mid season because the other guy was struggling. Uh, but he went eight for 12 on field goals with, uh, two of those misses being between 40 and 49, no attempts longer in the fifties long of 47.
0: That's pretty good. Yeah. He had a,
1: had a really good year, eight to 12 in field goals last year, uh, hit one in the forties for 47 yards.
0: Cool. So the last couple of data points that I've got to talk about are the team, some team stats, right? And again, Mm -hmm. you got to, it's tough, man, because is is Marshall going to play like Michigan or is Marshall going to play like somebody else? Right. But Mm -hmm. what East Carolina was able to do or what, they did do against Michigan penalties team penalties they had a lot of them 10 penalties for 88 yards not really killer when you talk about 10 total penalties less than 100 yards but still 10 times you were flagged that's 10 times that you know something is getting stifled to a certain degree time of possession they fell just three and a half short of halfway against the Wolverines 26 34 for the Pirates and the herd was Way down there, you know, like yeah. minus 10 or something like that. So, uh, Third down conversions were not fabulous, but they weren't terrible when you take into account that you're playing Michigan. Five of 13 for the Pirates last week, 38.5% conversion rate. Uh, Marshall, remember, was just one of 10 last week. Uh, first down, the first down breakdown for the Pirates. They had a total of 12 first downs. Seven of them by came by way of rush conversion and five by way of pass conversion. So there's no real... Way you can look out there and say, hey, this is how they get their first down. It's pretty even. Russ, what are your keys to the game? What the hell does Marshall have to do to go into Greenville, North Carolina, take on this 0-1 and one East Carolina Pirates team, and win for the first time ever against an American Athletic Conference team that really is a gauge team, right? With all this Sunbelt, AAC talk, chatter around, this is a great matchup and a great time to have it.
1: Well, number one, I think, is we have to establish the run. And that was what my number one was, I think, from last week, was we have to establish the run. And that's with uh, Rasheen Ali, uh, backups in pain, or anyone else that might come in, uh, Turner or Smoke, and uh, also with our quarterback. I think that we have to be able to establish that we have an RPO threat who can run, which is going to allow us to get more uh, lanes open for Rasheen Ali. Mm-hmm. That if Fancher breaks off a couple, and I don't, it doesn't have to be thirty yards, it doesn't have to be twenty yards. So he just picks up a first down on a six-yard scramble that makes him a threat. So then they have to game plan against both of those, uh, and that doesn't just allow them to stack the box against Ali and freeze him up some more. So I I want us to establish that run early.
0: Yeah, my number one key to victory, by the way, it's a great point. Uh, my number one key to victory is Marshall absolutely has to fa- start fast this week. We can't go three, four drives, three and out, you know, or maybe picking up one first down. And can't do that, man. I mean, we, we saw the fastest of fast starts last week. It just didn't count. And I'm not saying we have to come out and go 75 on the first play. It'd be nice. But. Marshall's got to score some points within the first couple of drives, right? They've got to show that, hey, we're here to play. This is not the same offense you saw last week. You can't have the fans in the stands that are making the trip that the herd's going to need to be behind them and loud going, Mm -hmm. here we go again. Here we go. We can't move the ball. The same old thing. So a fast start is basically paramount. They're going to be loud. The place is going to be packed out. You know, there's going to be a lot of purple and a lot of gold. And they're going to be loud. And they're going to be energetic. And those guys are going to be jacked up for their home opener, just like we were last week. So the best thing Marshall can do is come out and start fast and quiet the bulk, the bulk of that crowd down and let our boys get into the game faster, offensively and defensively, get a little mo. You know, a quick score and then a quick three and out, and that's what you need to have happen. So give me a fast start as my number one key to victory. Russ, what's your number two?
1: Win the turnover battle. We cannot have a situation where we are minus one, minus two, minus three. uh, That may be insurmountable, especially if that flips the field or is a scoop and a score or a pick six or something like that and drastically changes the momentum. So we have to limit our turnovers and hopefully get some on them. Yeah.
0: Uh, also, another good point, the uh, the ill-advised throw from Cam was, it was bad, right? Let's just be honest. That was a yeah, bad was throw.
1: Bad so, throw, and it was in the fourth quarter. It's a bad time to have a bad throw.
0: Right. You, you killed a little momentum there. Marshall's off three straight touchdown drives. You throw the interception, and it kills kind of everything, and that's the type of play that you just can't afford to have. So, I like that pick as well. Number two is the one you alluded to partially in your number one, which is, utilizing Fancher's mobility, right? There's going to be such a key and such a focus on stopping Rasheen Ali. There are going to be opportunities for Cam Fancher to, pull the ball out of the gut of Rasheen and hit the edge for six, seven, eight yards, 20 yards even. You know, there may be some designed quarterback runs that are in there from a five-wide set once you get everybody spread out. You know, I like the idea of forcing this East Carolina defensive front to continually have to make the right decision on who to cover, right? And when you have a guy like Rasheen Ali that can – make so much damage in a short amount of time out of the backfield. When you have a guy like Chuck Montgomery, who you can hit on a jet sweep that also makes for a big threat, utilizing Cam's mobility is something that I think can be a huge factor for Marshall in this game. And just another step in hopefully quieting the doubters of the total package that Cam Fantry is. Number three, Russ, what
1: do you got? Well, I said win the turnover battle in number two. So we need to win the um, um, penalty battle for my number three. We cannot go down there and have some of the costly penalties that we had. Hey, even though it was only running into the kicker and it was, uh, you know, declined, that was a bad time to hit the punter. Mm-hmm. Um, if that could have been ruled roughing, and that gave him automatic first down, we could have been talking about a much different outcome in this game. So these penalties, uh, we had a touchdown brought back. We had a first down brought back. We extended their drives, giving them some first downs and things like that. We have to minimize those. Uh, East Carolina, you said 10 for 88. I don't know how costly that was, but anytime you get 10 penalties, it can't be looked at favorably. So hopefully we can have less penalties and less impactful penalties than East Carolina.
0: Yeah, even if they're not like massive 10-yard penalties, even if eight of those are five-yard penalties, well, you go from potentially third and one to third and six. And yeah. Those it, it, changes the, the trajectory of a drive. But mm-hmm. yeah, you, you just you just can't really have it. Marshall did a pretty good job last week. Overall, there weren't a lot of penalties. It's just the ones we did have were like... They were costly. Mm-hmm. The only one you really avert is the running into the kicker because it just didn't, you know, and that was declined, so it didn't really count. Um, Number three for me, Russ, I'm going offense again. How about that? Three straight offensive keys to victory for the Herd. Keep the Conley train rolling. I think that guy is a freaking mismatch. He comes out of nowhere and jumps on the radar for just about every, if not every Herd fan inside of Jonesy Edwards Stadium. The kid's dynamic, man. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's the type of tight end that you hope to have several of. And, you know, there are some things floating around there about Toby Payne. Will he be back this week? Will it? Will he be out for a little while? But Conley was just a great breath of fresh air uh, coming out of a nine tight end room. <laughs> you would hope that there's some of those guys there. And Conley proved to be that guy. Big play after big play. You know, two of the longest pass plays go to him. The best play of the day through the air goes to him with that rollout by Cam into double coverage, the sliding catch, beautiful play, Mm -hmm. big-time play. Watch uh, it. Go ahead. And to back end off of that key to victory, it's also you got to let Chuck eat. Chuck Montgomery is a menace in space. He's shown that he can break a tackle, make a move, and get down the sideline. We saw it last week. We've seen him do it last season. So you can't say, yeah, it's Albany. No, man, he made big plays against Coastal Carolina last year. Later in the season, Chuck's a guy that he's a fit. I mean, he's going to be a fit for somebody. He's going to cause a headache for whoever has to guard him. Good luck. So those two guys, in particularly in the passing game, wow, if they have a big day, I like our chances a lot against this Pirates defense. What were you going to say, man?
1: Just say watching that game on replay, you were able to pick up some things that I couldn't see live. You know, you don't have a whole lot of replay, and, you know, I sit on the sidelines, so I'm seeing things going this way, and you see better camera angles on replays. Uh, The blocking really stood out for me for Conley. Uh, Run blocking, very solid. I would say above average. Uh, Pass blocking, you saw him down the field uh, allowing people to get just one, maybe two more yards on there. And those all add up. So it wasn't just his catches. He was doing everything that you want from a tight end. He was that release valve when he needed to be, he was the number one read when he needed to be. And he was uh, great at blocking on both sides of running or passing. So hundred percent right on that, uh, breath of fresh air to see a uh, tight end emerge from there. Uh, we did go, uh, uh, Two tight end personnel a couple of times uh, on watching the replay, but it was Conley's room is Mm -hmm. the way it looked.
0: Yep. It was Conley's room. And I like the point you make about his blocking, because what that does is you have to respect his blocking ability (laughs) and what that ultimately might set you up. Maybe it's once a game, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe you get to do this one time, but he's going to, cause some blockers to or some defenders to come in that he's going to be able to block for a quick release and down the field and you're open down the seam for 10 or 12 yards or maybe more Mm -hmm. i still think there's also room for a kid like sean salas to get in there and go Mm -hmm. opposite you got two really athletic tight ends maybe you got conley and salas in there uh to go along with three wide receivers to create an extra mismatch somewhere I, i like the flexibility there so we'll, we'll, we'll see what these guys have in, in store. I don't, again, I don't think it's going to be the same stuff you saw against Albany. We're going to put yeah. a little bit more out there today. Probably no more than you have to think about it. Situationally, if it comes out and it works and you somehow come out and go up 21 to nothing on this East Carolina team, you're going to probably move into more base not to try to run the clock out but hell with these new clock rules the game is shortened anyway but with the run threat that you have from machine ali and and cam and 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 turner and smoke you know if you're up big you can afford to you know you don't want to start eating clock like i said in the second quarter but you don't have to put anything more on film than you have to uh let's move into my last did you give me your last big key victory your fourth
1: Mm -hmm. i only had
0: three Okay, well, my fourth, I'm going defensive side this time. uh it's it's easy. it's it's really easy. It's stay aggressive on defense because Marshall gave that poor quarterback from Albany freaking fits last week. You're right, he was running for his life and as much as folks saw that this he was this really solid quarterback and better than what we had, we just saw play after play him chucking the ball out of bounds, out of the end zone, you know, not nearly to where his guys can get it. He, they score on a busted coverage, and they score on a, on a, on a busted uh, RPO. You know, you heard Huff in the post game say, two guys were supposed to account for the quarterback, and both guys missed their assignment, and now the result is you see what you see. It looks like a really bad play. Mm-hmm. So that should have been eaten up for a loss or at most a no game. Right, And mm-hmm. both guys bit on the fake. We sold out on the running back, and you see what you see. So you stay aggressive on defense. You let Porter and Burton and Legs and Gibby. They just got to get to the quarterback. Michigan was unable to do that. If Marshall can do that, well, it's going to create fits for this Pirates offense. You've got to be able to force these quarterbacks, whoever's behind center, you've got to force them off their spot and make them try to complete throws on the run or into a hurried read so that you can then have the flexibility to allow your secondary, who's very good and very athletic, to make some plays on these on these passes, these ill-advised passes, and maybe get to hurt a couple of turnovers there and, and stifle a drive or two. Russ, MVP time, if you don't have anything to piggyback off of that.
1: I, I got one other thing to say. It wasn't okay. a key to victory of mine uh, because I don't think that we have to control the uh, – Time of possession and win that time of possession to win this game. Uh, as you saw in week one, our best drives were short drives because yeah. we just marched right down the field 238, 109, and 230. We back to back to back scoring. Yeah. So we don't have to have the time of possession, but both of these teams were lower than 27 minutes' time of possession. We were lower than 25 or right at it, and they were 26 and a half. So it's going to be interesting to see if, uh, I mean, one of them has to get at least 30, you know, <laughs> that's the way, it's gonna that's be the, way 30, the clock works.
0: What if it goes 30-30?
1: <laughs> it may do it, but it's going to be interesting <laughs> yeah. what these offenses will have with one team at least getting 30 minutes, and one may get a lot more. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be the ones scoring more, but it will be interesting to see how – these offenses do with more time than they had last week if they get more time
0: yeah you know what's interesting is we 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 can harken back to that 94 yard drive in south bend
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know that was a that was a 5 6 minute drive yeah. well with the clock changes that same 11 play 94 yard drive could be a 10 minute drive you know based on the plays that you're running it it just mm-hmm. could so you're right that's a, that's a good data point that's one to keep an eye on You know, because neither one of these teams reached half the game in time of possession. So it could be one of those factors that's like, all right, whoever gets to 30 and 24 points wins this game. You know, you could be able to look back at the end of that and go, well, that's what happened. And that's that's who got the win. So, look, let's talk about
1: it. Who's your who's your MVP this week? I'm staying the same. I got Rasheen Ali. I have him uh, over 100 at least, and I have him getting in the end zone at least twice, and I think that uh, that will be enough to be the difference maker in this game. Uh, even if he's getting that, he's going to have to work to get that because they're I, they're going to key on him. Yeah, No yeah. team that we play is not going to be king on number 22. <laughs> so he is going to be... Uh, working hard for that, but I see him breaking loose. I see him running hard. I see him getting in the end zone at least twice in this game. Give me Rasheen Ali.
0: Well, I'm flipping sides of the ball this week, too. I'm also going with Rasheen Ali, and I, I like what you're saying. You know, and, and, and early he does damage. Mid-game he does damage. Late in games he does damage. So he really doesn't get tired. He really doesn't lose a step. He doesn't lose – that burst at any point in the game. And you just like his chances. At some point, something's going to happen, and he's going to be able to evade that shoestring tackle that had gotten him four or five times early in the game. It's just going to miss, and he's going to go 40 yards or 50 yards. It just always seems like it happens for him. And I like it. He just missed you know, 200-plus yards last week with a run called back. Uh, for all the all the great runners that the Sun Belt produced in Week One, Rasheed Ali, I hate to say, went under the radar, but he did because that big run didn't happen. Kamani Vidal had a great game, almost 250 yards. So I'm not saying that 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 uh, Ali won't go for two bills, but I'm also saying that he won't. You know, and to be able to come out and put a statement like that against East Carolina, a team that a lot of people in the Sun Belt are like, we would love to have East Carolina in our conference, that type of thing. That's gonna put him right up there in, in these conversations again. For the people that don't wanna, you know, still want to dismiss him a little bit. It's gonna be hard to dismiss him if he goes for 150, 60, 70, dare I say 200 yards, two, three touchdowns. He's in for a game like that. He he could have had it last week. I just think it's 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 time. Uh score prediction, Russ. What do you got this week?
1: Man, I've been going back and forth. And
0: uh <laughs> wait a minute. Before you give let, let me let me let me cut you off real quick. Sure. Are Charles Huff's comments in the post game going to affect your prediction
1: this week? No, because none of that does. You know, just just like my predictions don't affect the team's play. You know, uh, what <laughs> we gotta what, talk about that? One what great. they say don't because I'm just an idiot fan, right? Yeah, right. You know. And everyone can cut this and post it on their socials. <laughs> I am just an idiot fan, right? So uh, no, I, I know he mentioned sixty-six points. I obviously know where that came from. You know, <laughs> uh, he mentioned Thundercast predictions. I know where that came from. Uh, but no, like I said, nothing changed. On you know, I go with matchups, and I just thought that we were going to come out and try to get this offense and. You know, first play of the game 73 yards uh, and i was like well here it goes here you know we go. yeah we're off to the races um but it didn't work out the way it did i have gone back and forth i had always seen this as a close matchup even before last week when i was kind of looking at early in the season how would these first four games go um i see it being 24 to 10
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Marshall,
1: wow. 24 to 10.
0: 24 to 10. Okay. Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting it to go that low, right? I was expecting a little bit more of a off uh, a sense of offensive respect, I guess. Not that you're disrespecting East Carolina, but I figured it would be a little bit more close for you. But 14 points, is is it's larger than the margin of victory that I have, I should say. Uh, this one, to me, is closer. You know, for some reason, both games have been closer to me. I also saw this as a win Way back when, way back when, when we were when we were matching these games up, Uh, I've got the herd twenty eight to twenty four on the road, getting that first ever win. I do think there's go there's always that fluky play against a team like East Carolina. You know, I can't Mm -hmm. really I can only remember one game where we really absolutely just handled them, and that was way back ten years ago, in twenty twenty three in a game where we put up almost 60. That's what I mean, twenty thirteen when we Mm -hmm. put almost sixty on them when they were heavy favorites in the summer, oh, yeah. in the, uh, conference USA. We, we,
1: we talked about that. We were walking behind East Carolina fans as we were walking down third Avenue and yeah. uh, you know, they, they were very respectful of our team and everything. And, and yeah, I, I remember that game vividly. We went in and just handled them.
0: Yeah. A lot of folks even consider that to be the best for performance of a doc holiday coached Marshall team, right. Given where we were at that time versus who we were playing so that's that's an argument for another day, but that was just a flat out dominating game. Now here ten years later, is it is it a little, you know, poetic maybe to be able to field another great team or, or a team that's on the verge of being great potentially and go down and get the first ever win in Greenville in in convincing fashion? Yeah, it'd be very poetic. But I just think this one's gonna be You know, who doesn't turn the ball over the most? Who can control the ball the most? Who can find the end zone instead of kicking a field goal in this one? That's what Mm -hmm. it feels like to me. So I think we're going to trade punches. I do. I think we're going to trade punches, and I think we're going to ultimately be able to score that one touchdown when they have to settle for a field goal, and that's going to be the difference for me.
1: Well, let me tell you a little bit about my score. One, I believe in this defense. You know, we're look at they had two busted plays for two touchdowns, You take one of those away, and that game looks a lot better. Uh, You take both of those away, and those are easy fixes, right, on busted coverage. And, I mean, not saying it won't continue to happen on occasion, but if you take both of those busted plays away, we gave up three points. I know it's Albany. But look what they did last year. We got a lot of guys returning, and in some facets, we may have gotten deeper in some positions, you know. Um, But here's the deal. Look at the 2022 roster for stats on what East Carolina is losing. Uh, they uh, lost 3,708 yards passing with uh Allers, 28 touchdowns, five interceptions. He's gone. That's why Garcia and Flynn, they don't have that many attempts. Uh Leading rusher last year, 201 carries, 7-2 average, 1,452 yards, 14 touchdowns. Sounds a lot like what we were replacing last year. Um, Receiving, they had two different guys go over a 1,000 yards that aren't on this year's team. One for six touchdowns, one for 10. They had 88 and 67 receptions. 1,085 yards, 1,016 yards. Yeah. That is what this offense has to replace. They didn't have a good offensive performance. Yes, it was against Michigan. But that's what I'm looking at is this is going to be one of their we have to find out who's going to step up games. They do have the talent. I'm not knocking their talent, but that's why I'm a little bit lower on their score than – uh than what you may have or what I would normally say when I think this is a close game. I just feel like their inexperience in these key positions uh, may cost them a little bit to where they don't convert that first down. They don't get that touchdown. Maybe they have to get a field goal. Maybe they don't even get into field goal range and they have to punt. Sure. So that's why I'm going 24-10, Marshall.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely not disrespectful for me to to not think our defense can can stop them. They absolutely can, right? Mm-hmm. And I told the guys of Boneyard, they, they, and they were right. They said Michigan was by far the best defense they were going to play all year long. And I came on sure. the show and I said, I heard that and I agree with that, but I will tell you that Marshall's probably going to be the second best defense that you play all year long. And they kind of perked up on that and were like, really? Yeah, because we know what we have, right? And and uh, we had, you know, despite 21 points or we you know whatever it was, 21 to whatever the hell the score was last week, 21-17. Uh, yeah, 17 points being put up. I don't think that's indicative of what this defense is actually going to do because right. again, they were put on the field 10 extra minutes last last game because of you know the gamesmanship and not wanting to put things on film offensively. It didn't work for a whole half, so for a whole half they were kind of put behind the eight ball. It is what it is. That ain't gonna be this week. So give me 28-24. I love the 24 to 10 as well. Coach Huff, uh we'll see if 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 he drags us a little bit in the post game again. I love that comment though, man. I got to say that. Uh, that. That was uh, uh I know that was tongue in cheek. He didn't mean anything by it. He's a great dude and we and yeah. we have a pretty good relationship, but all I heard, I heard two things and I tweeted this. Number one, All I heard was that Coach Huff listens to the Thundercast. And if you guys aren't, then why not? Because Coach Huff obviously is if we're not living, quote, living up to the expectations of Thundercast predictions. And number two, we landed in the same sentence as Vegas. So, hey, we must be doing something right, right?
1: Yeah, send all your bets to at Russ Living Good. (laughs) No. Uh,
0: How about final thoughts on this
1: game where we look to get the hell out of here? Final thoughts are: I really, really wish I was going. I have heard from a lot of herd fans that are going to be down there. Yeah. Uh, I hope everyone goes down. One is uh, respectful, runs by that memorial that they have, uh, but two, find some fans to fraternize with and socialize with down there. Keep that bond going in this friendl- friendly rivalry, but also show them what's up when you're saying "Let's go herd" and we are Marshall, and having it be as loud is what the rest of their stadium in purple and gold is saying, or purple and yellow. So, let's go down there. Let's bring back a victory. We're 2 and 0 going into the bye week and have two weeks to prep for Virginia Tech at home. That's you gotta love that's it. all I got to say.
0: You got to love it. This game ought to be played as a conference game. Right, we I, we got two minutes we can spend on this. Obviously, this game feels like one of the games that should be played all the time, every year, mm-hmm. annually. Right, uh, so I'd love to see those guys. They asked us both flat out. Now, not everybody that listens to us is going to listen to the Boneyard Podcast, but we're going to talk about this real fast. They asked us both last night. Hey, if the AAC calls and says, "Hey, Marshall, App, James Madison, whatever," they I think he coastal maybe ripped off four or five schools, and they said, "Hey, would you guys like to join the American?" both of us said no. That's right, no, because we like our situation and we think actually that they fit better into our situation. I don't want to go back to Texas and play all kinds of games. I don't want to be traveling, having to put our volleyball team on a charter flight or our, our women's soccer team and going way out two time zones away just to play a game, you know. Uh, they fit so much better in, in our footprint that they belong here. And yeah, they with also passionate
1: talked, fan bases.
0: Right. They also talked about a merger, and would you be interested in that? And I was like, eh, yeah, sort of, but not really, because I just I'm, like I'm what not. we have. i just I'm like what we have.
1: I'm 100% not. I don't think that a 25-team, uh, 28-team uh, conference of, no, no, is no. appealing to me at all.
0: No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. And you remember what I said. I was like, yes, but no. It would have to be basically a straight-up-the-middle split of East teams and West teams from both conferences – to create a new East Conference and a new West Conference before that would even be slightly appealing. Oh, I,
1: I thought I thought they were talking about divisions. They East may have been, West. but
0: I tossed in that. I was like, no, I'm not doing a 30 team conference. But yeah. so no, we Russ and I are both happy where we are. East Carolina should really feel better about joining the Sun Belt because it's not an ego thing. It's not a you know we're superior to you thing. And, and still, those guys, you know, they seemed pretty informed. But for some reason, all of these. Fans or the bulk of them seem to think that their media deal is not going to change, and it's going to yeah. change.
1: It's already changed. It was uh, they they were basing that on when they had twelve teams, right. and that's where that seven million goes because it said eighty four million. I think I've got the numbers right or whatever. Whatever, whatever Even, it was, the big it was number se- is changing. It was it was seven million a year. All right, because that's how many different teams were splitting the large number. Well, the number of teams changed. There's more because when three left, they brought in five to replace them or whatever that number was. So they have more teams. That number is not the same, but even at that, the, um, the big scuttlebutt is those two or those teams that were coming in. were not in year one, maybe even year two, getting that same amount of money. Then you've got the buyout that you have to do and everything. It's not, necessarily you're like oh hey you're going to do this and then you're going over here and you're getting that that's not how it is there's a lot of different moving pieces to that and i i said it on the show i'll say it right here i fully believe within the next three to five years the sunbelt figure with the uh the average sunbelt figure uh for the media deal versus the average aac i think it's going to be really close and sunbelt may end up having a better one because There's a clause that they can renegotiate based on teams leaving in the AAC. And the guy kept saying, why wouldn't you already do that? Well, because that was the wrong time to do it. You don't want to. Yeah. The realignment is still going on. That that was just because those three teams, you don't trigger it there. You still have to attract some teams in there. Uh, So I think ESPN allowed those teams to move in there and then they're going to say. Hey, basically we're looking at conference USA plus 3. I don't really think that you guys are worth this amount of money. We're going to we're going to redo the negotiations based on this clause that everyone agreed to, and I don't think they're going to be getting that amount of money.
0: Yeah, and I said that. I said what if your media deal like plummets, he goes, that's not going to happen. Yeah, it most certainly will. You can't lose Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston, and now also potentially SMU, which they didn't even talk about, Mm -hmm. could all potentially be gone, and you want to replace that with Charlotte? And, you know, come on, man. Like, come on. Let's, let's be realistic here. So it, and the point I was making is, well, what if they both get to the point to where now everybody's going to make around $4 million a year? You want to make $4 million a year and travel into Texas half of your season, or do you want to make $4 million a year and keep all your conference games, or most of them, within North Carolina, South Carolina, West Virginia, and Virginia? To me, it sounds far more attractive to do – Option B, right? And that's what I meant by the whole thing. It's no disrespect to those guys. It's just this $7 million figure has just become a talking point that nobody wants to move away from. And we all know that it's going to change. It's going to yeah. change.
1: Yeah, and like I said, it already has changed. You know, they're splitting that pie a lot differently. Yeah. They they don't have 12 teams or whatever it was when they signed the thing.
0: So anyway, the, the meat and potatoes of the story was Russell and I, both were like, nah, we don't want to go. We don't want to go to the American right now, not with the current makeup of teams. So anyway, uh, Russ, if you don't have anything else, take us the hell out of here.
1: Yes, So whether you see us at uh, the Joan, whether you see us down at not us particularly, but any other fans that are able to get to go to East Carolina, you see us down in Greenville, or if you see us at the Facing Hunger Food Bank 80s Fundraising Gala, which you'll see me dressed up in my Miami Vice gear. No matter where you see us, we're gonna be saying Go Hurt.
0: Go hurt, it's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week with an East Carolina recap. Later.